time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Last week, we started a new series about how to get unstuck. And the truth is that we all have times in our lives where we feel stuck in some area. And what we often discover is there's that nagging feeling that we're just not getting where we want to get to. We're just not getting to where we need to, where we feel like we ought to be. And that place is where we find ourselves trapped, stuck. Now, you remember last week we talked about the story of Bill and how Bill got stuck, but there are other reasons why we can feel stuck. And so today, as the kind of the, the kickoff of the meat of this series on how to get unstuck, I wanted to talk about some other ways that we get stuck, the reasons why we get stuck. And let me just clarify for a minute. When I say the reasons why we get stuck, the truth is it's the reasons why we feel stuck. Because next, we're going to be talking some about how we're not really ever truly stuck It's our perception of that and our own ways we bring that in. And when we look at it a little bit differently, we see the possibilities of change that are all around us all the time. And we see the places where things are constantly under change. So that place of being stuck, of why we're stuck, is partly a figment of our imagination and partly reality. So let's talk about these four areas that I see as the major roadblocks, the major places where we really find ourselves stuck in life. The first one is the one I named last week, the past. If you remember the story from last week, it was about Bill, and Bill was saving those injuries along the way and saving those mistakes he made along the way as stones. And, and those stones are the thoughts that he held with him, the memories he carried around with him that end up being more and more heavy until they kind of weigh us down and keep us stuck. And the reason the past can hold us back is because we find ourselves in these belief systems that are built on our past experiences. You may have heard the story, but it came to life for me when I was in India. We rounded the corner, and for the first time, I was face-to-face with a captive elephant on a side street. Now, I'd seen the elephants in in circuses when I was a child, but this was the first time when I was face-to-face with a huge beast that I knew could just step on me. And there that elephant was in that alley in the very busy streets of India, and when I looked at that elephant for the moment you know that elephant was kind of staring me down and I thought oh my gosh that elephant could just walk forward and crush me and I looked down and saw that that elephant was tied down so the elephant believed the elephant couldn't go anywhere when I looked a little more closely I noticed that that rope that was holding the elephant was a pretty small rope in in fact I think I probably could have snapped it myself but That one little rope tied around that elephant's ankle and then tied to the wall was all that was holding the elephant back. And then I remembered the story of how elephants are trained. When they are baby elephants, those who are trying to basically keep them captive put a strong chain around that foot. And that strong chain keeps that baby from being able to break loose. And so that baby learns that chain on the ankle means I can't go anywhere. And over time, they just replace that chain with rope. 
And the elephant continues to believe what it learned as a baby, that it can't get away. And it's so cemented in that elephant that the elephant has been captured by its thoughts, by its belief system, by its past. It's stuck in those old scripts of knowledge. Now, we all carry those old scripts around. You only have to think back about maybe when you go visit your family. And if you're like most people, when you go back to visit your family, you almost immediately revert back to the behavior that you found yourself in when you were somewhere between 12 and 16, right? You just become an adolescent again. You start responding to other siblings and to parents and and begin to uh, work into those old scripts, those old rules that we have and how we're going to operate. You might not do it anywhere else in life, but back, take, go back on to the family, and there you are right back in adolescence a lot of the time. And we find that we have these patterns that we carry around with us that are scripts of what's possible and what's not possible. Many times I've watched with interest as I've noticed that there are people who seem to fit in the family business. And the family business that they're in is always kind of interesting. You know, I've watched people who generation after generation are doctors. And I've seen for generation after generation attorneys. In my family, it's generation after generation of ministers. And then I also notice that there are um, families that seem to produce people that we think are rarities. You know, you watch it in athletics that there are multiple kids or multiple people in the family who become very outstanding athletes. The same with authors, that people, you know, it's a very low percentage of the population that actually writes and publishes a book, and yet you see families where there are multiple authors in the family. Or maybe you look at actors. You notice that in Hollywood, there are sometimes multi-generations of actors, or even musicians, that for multi-generations, there are musicians. And I believe that it's not so much that there's a talent pool that we don't, other people don't have, that there are often better musicians or authors or uh, athletes or other things that don't make it into that echelon for one reason. They don't recognize they can. They don't see it because of that past that, uh, that holds them back. And yet, when that past gives them that room. You know, if you know somebody who's published a book, if you have a parent who's published a book or a parent who went to medical school or law school or or anything else, you recognize that it can be done, that there is a way to get there and you, you almost know the routine and it demystifies it because sometimes the past, that's the issue, the past is a mystification of scripts and roles and rules that we live by that keep us stuck in that that period. Which leads us to the second big area, which is just beliefs. We all have limiting beliefs that we carry around with us. That elephant has a limiting belief that he can't get away from that rope, and yet just one yank would do it. Many people have a limiting belief just because people around them haven't shown them the way. Maybe you see people who come from families where nobody's ever made it to college, and they just don't believe they could make it to college. And then there are those who find that they don't have that limiting belief, but they have another limiting belief. And sometimes our limiting beliefs are very artificial and very untrue. And a lot of times those limiting beliefs keep us at a place where we just believe we can't do it. I believe that within all of us, we have two sets of beliefs. One is an aspirational belief that takes us to something higher, that realizes that we are creatures that are designed to find meaning and purpose in our lives, to make an impact in the world. 
And that's, those are aspirational beliefs that pull people in that direction. But we also have limiting beliefs that, that hold us back from doing that, that make us believe that we can't do that in a certain way, that keep us from recognizing how broadly we can do that. Years ago, I remember I was just starting out uh, with a, an ebook that I'd written, and it was getting a little bit of traction, and it was creating a little bit of income for, for me. And since I was a therapist, I realized that I was trying to build something up. And I remember I was at a conference, and I had a discussion with somebody who had already done a number of ebooks, and I said, hey, can I ask you a couple of questions? And she said, sure. And I said, I'm wondering, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm selling this many per month. You know, could I do more? And she looked at me and she said, you know, you could probably sell 20 times that. And she's made a couple of suggestions on how to do that. Now, I came home and made some very simple, small changes. And pretty quickly, I was selling 20 times what I had before. And the reason was because somebody saw me in me that there was something limiting me. And what was limiting me was the belief that I couldn't do more. Now, there wasn't something metaphysical. It wasn't that she simply said you could do more and it magically happened. I did make some changes and did manage to figure out some new things. But I was limited from doing that before because I had a limiting belief about what was possible. And so once that limiting belief was removed, then I had room to grow into something else. And I had room to believe that there was a knowledge to be learned and a knowledge to be gained and added on to. That's the nature of limiting beliefs. We have to have something so big that it causes us to change our limiting beliefs, to pull us into aspirational beliefs. And if we don't, those limiting beliefs are like handcuffs. They keep us from taking action, from moving, from being able to get to where we want to. Many times our limiting beliefs are just because we have old models, old operating systems in our brain, and we've got to upgrade those operating systems, we've got to upgrade the limiting beliefs. That's one of the advantages people have of being around people that are at a higher place than they are in some endeavor they want to be at. Because then they can see what's possible. Then they can see the next step up. It's not because they have to hold on to those people to get there, but those people break the limiting beliefs that we all have in our head and allow us to see something that could be bigger. So the second place we get stuck after the past is in our limiting beliefs. The third area is lack of clarity. Sometimes we know we want to get to somewhere else. Sometimes we know that there's something bigger within us. And I think that, that that's the kind of the yearning of the soul. There's that place within us that's calling forth for us to do more, to be more, to be more in the world, to create more of an impact, to find a deeper level of meaning and purpose. And we can feel it. We can feel it running around within us, but we're not sure what to do. And the truth is that we can't do everything, but we can do something. And we can do something at a much greater degree than we are right now. Unfortunately, sometimes we get stuck between, since I can't do everything, I'll do nothing. And that bridge point is the difficult one. We can't quite choose what to do. I've known people who saw so many opportunities. An opportunity was at every turn. And in the end, they never took advantage of any of the opportunities because there was always an opportunity that held them back. One of the truths about life is as we take different uh, directions on our path, it eliminates other directions. I always think about it as kind of wandering through the woods and we come to a crossroads and we have to choose one way or the other. And if we choose one way, 
we're not going to be following the other. New vistas will open up. New possibilities will open up on that new path, but we have to choose one or the other. Unfortunately, sometimes the lack of clarity means that we're walking down the path and we come down to multiple forks in the road. And we can't ever quite choose which one to follow because we feel like we're going to lose out on the ones that we can't choose. We all can recognize that we can't choose everything. But then we get scared when we have to choose something. And eventually, there's, it's about anything. Can we choose anything along that path that will move us along that path? When we have a lack of clarity, we find ourselves frozen in place. We find ourselves at that point in the road where we have to choose one direction or another. And instead of choosing, we just stand and look and try to wonder what is down each of those paths. But we never wander down the path. We just wonder about the possibilities. And sometimes we create such big fantasies of what one path might lead if we don't go there that we end up falling into that fear of missing out, the FOMO that you might have heard about. That fear of missing out leads us to not ever quite choose our direction, but to wonder how we can choose among them. So the third way is a lack of clarity. The fourth is about fear. And fear kind of underlies all of these things. Fear creates that place of lack of clarity. Fear also underlies our limiting beliefs. And fear is also related in many ways to the past. Fear is finding ourselves... Uh, with the, our movement forward hampered by something, right? We're fearful of something, and it, sometimes it's fearful of what's behind us, sometimes it's fearful of what's in front of us, and sometimes it's just plain old fear that surrounds us. We humans are built in a unique way where we are both uh, with a predator mind and a prey mind. And the predator mind is the one that gets focused and moves us in a direction, and is looking for that goal in mind. It doesn't mean we're hunting something down, but it does mean we're in pursuit of something. And for me, what we're in pursuit of is meaning and purpose and impact. We're in pursuit of making a difference in the world. But we also have that prey mentality that's afraid of being attacked by something that we don't expect. And so we live in a fearful place. We live in fearful reactions that hold us back from ever truly stepping up and living a full life. Those fears are around a lot of different things, but some of them that they're around is, one, is the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown is just that place where you imagine what's going to happen down the road. You, you don't know, but you keep cooking up big things. And what's interesting about the fear of the unknown is sometimes you're not even clear about what that, what that looks like, and it's just enough to fear something out there. And so you fear the unknown, even though the unknown is intangible is unnameable, undescribable. You just go, well, something bad might happen. We often live in the fear of the unknown. You know, when you wonder what's going to happen to your loved ones, when you wonder what's going to happen with your kids going out and growing up, when you wonder about what's going to happen in your own health, when you wonder about what's going to happen somewhere in life, the fear of the unknown is what holds us in that place of hostage. What we have to accept is the fear of the unknown is the irrationality of the unknowable. We can't know what's going to happen down the road, but we do know what happens if we don't keep moving. We get stuck. Then there's fear of change. We all have a place of fear of change, and the reason is because we get comfortable. 
And whenever there is some place where we're going to have to change, it brings up that whole place of the unknown that we just talked about. And so fear of change is deeply related to the fear of the unknown. Now, there are some people who do a better job of dealing with change than others. But most of us have some level of discomfort with change, and it might not be in all areas. It may be in specific areas. Some people are afraid to change their careers. Other people are afraid to change friends or change cities or change habits. And so what really is behind that fear of change is, again, the unknown of something that blocks us. What if the change doesn't work out to our favor? And so instead of figuring that out and moving forward, we stay locked in place. The fear of change is the discomfort of newness and the lack of faith in ourselves for being able to walk through that that stuck place until we find a, a way of making that change feel good. So we all have this fear of change that can keep us stuck. Then there's the fear of failure. And a lot of times the fear of failure is not so much having failed as much as people seeing us fail. And so sometimes the fear of failure is being seen as a failure, the fear of being seen and noted as a failure. But the truth is that failure is when we stop trying at all. Failure is not when something doesn't work out. That's just a fact of life. Whenever we do something, there's always the possibility that's not going to work. But the true failure happens when we stop trying to move forward. We can find a dead end after dead end after dead end. But the real point of failure is when we stop even trying. This is that old story uh, of Thomas Edison when he's trying to find the perfect filament to create the light bulb. He tried out element after element after element. And a reporter said, what's it like to fail so many times in finding that? And he said, I haven't failed. I've eliminated each of those that I've tried and I'm still looking for the right thing. That's the difference between failure and continuing on. Failure only happens when we give up and walk away. Up until then, there is no fear of failure, except for that of being in the eyes of somebody who could see us and fail. But I wonder how many of us are able to look around us and see the people who keep trying and how much we give credit to those who keep trying And why we might think that others wouldn't give us credit for continuing to try. Are we going to hit 100 every time? No. In fact, I don't really think that's the goal. Some years ago, when my son was much younger, he was going on a ski trip. And I remember the difference in perspectives of his mother and me. My wife was saying, be safe. Don't get hurt. And I was saying, fall a little bit. Try so hard that you fall a little bit. Because if you're not trying and pushing... You're not growing and getting better. And there is that place, that's that tension between all of us of wanting to be safe and needing to grow. And the fear of failure is that place where we recede to to safety instead of finding our path to growth. And then there is the fear of success. What would it mean if you succeeded? Would it, would it mean if you accomplished what you wanted to and you're a different person and, and maybe people, you're afraid that people would fall away from you or think differently of you or look down upon you or think that you're high and mighty and all these beliefs that we have about what it would mean to succeed. So find it interesting that we humans have the capacity of a fear of failure and simultaneously a fear of success. And you see where we begin to find ourselves quite stuck in this process unless we find a way around it. 
So now I have an exercise for you. I want you to just kind of do an inventory of yourself. And the first question I want you to ask is, where are you stuck? Think about the areas of life. Because if you're still listening at this point, there's got to be some area that you're going, you know, I'm feeling kind of stuck here. I really want to move forward and and I'm feeling stuck. So think about these areas of life. Do you feel stuck in your relationship? Or do you feel stuck in your health? Maybe you know that you need to take some changes to, to live a more healthy life. Or maybe you feel stuck in work, in your career path, in whatever it is that's going to make that difference in your life. Or maybe you feel stuck in a role. Maybe it's parenting or uh, maybe it's as a mentor or maybe there's some role out there that you know you need to play, but you're not sure how to get there. That's a role. Then the other is activity. Maybe there's some activity that you want to take up and you feel stuck because you haven't been able to do that. So think now about specifics in those areas. Are you stuck about your a relationship or health or work or role or activity? Okay, once you've made an inventory of the places where the specific places where you feel stuck, look at those four reasons I gave and ask, what's the reason that resonated with you? Which of the reasons would you claim as the reason why you've been telling yourself what you've been telling yourself that keeps you stuck? Is it about your past of living in old scripts of the old stuff? Or is it about your beliefs? You have some limiting belief about what's possible, what could happen to you? Or is it about a lack of clarity in your life that you just aren't sure which path to go down? Or is it about fear, fear of the unknown or of change or maybe fear of failure or maybe fear of success? Which of those four reasons resonates the most with you? And write that down. Then... I want you just to think for a minute. Number three, what do you tell yourself when you think about that particular area where you're feeling stuck? What, what's the conversation you have? Just write down a few things that immediately come to mind, and they're usually going to begin to help you point to those, those four areas. You'll notice that they fall into those four areas. And so if you had a problem picking one of those four areas, just write down the inner conversation and then see which one it matches up with. Or if you have a particular area you chose, what are the words, what are the conversations you have with yourself that represent those particular areas? And then number four, what is your motivation level for changing this? What is your motivational level for getting unstuck? Do it from one to ten. One is, I'm not going to do it. I'm stuck and I'm just going to stay here. And ten is, I am fully committed to changing. Five is that place where you would love to change. You're not sure if you can. You would love to know how. You're somewhere in the middle. So one to ten, what would you rank as the level of motivation for you to change? Number ten is I'm all in. I'm ready to go. Number one is ain't going to happen. Ain't going to change. Okay. Now, I want you to have that in place so as we go through these next uh, weeks of the podcast, you'll begin to hear the ways that you might change those pieces. Hope this has been helpful, and until next time when we talk more about why you're not as stuck as you think you are, I wish you the best in building a thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com.
Remember that Thriveology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. 